listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tbcweb.com. So I uh, started out this series three weeks ago with a fairly strong challenge to everybody because my contention is, and uh, some of you may not agree with this, and I um, I find that perfectly acceptable. My, my, my contention is, is that many of us struggle with missing out on what I would describe as our higher callings. That we are called, we are meant to do more than just be sort of like the ultimate consumer. And that if we're not careful, what happens is we kind of, we kind of fall into this place where mostly what we're doing is we're just existing. We're going through our day-to-day stuff, we're doing all that, but we're just existing and we're consuming and we're missing out. And my hope was, and I said this three weeks ago, I want to repeat it again, that we would answer the question, that we would process this question. The simple thing is, am I trading significance for pleasure? In other words, am I, have I lost sight of what I am really called to as a human being? Am I trading significance for just watching Netflix and eating the next meal and consuming and doing all that for, for pleasure? Now, I understand, this is a really hard question to answer. I get that. You, you know, you're watching online, you're going, I'm not, I, I don't even know how I can answer that question. I mean, I'm, I'm working every day, I'm working lots of hours, and I'm tired, and I'm trying to get enough rest, and then I'm trying to take care of my family, and i got all these things going. How can I even know whether I'm trading significance for pleasure? I'm, I'm not even sure I can do that. And, and I understand that, actually. I mean, I really do, because our lives are full, and we have a lot going on, and so how, how do we answer a question like this? It's, it's a little tough. So I was thinking about this. And I actually thought maybe one way we could answer is by asking a second question which might point us to the answer. And here's a question, and I'll explain it, and that is, how much energy do I give to high-level processing? Now, now hang with me, and this is going to make sense to you. So, so what I mean by this is low-level processing. Let me describe what that is. Basically, low-level processing is what you're doing like all the time every day. It's all the stuff that comes at you that you have to deal with. You know, it's, it's, it, it, it may be financial, it may be vocational, it may be relational stuff, but it's whatever bumps into you. Low-level processing is when it bumps up against you, you go, okay, how do I deal with that? Well, I, let me give you an example. We don't even realize sometimes how significant the amount of low-level processing we do just, just dealing with issues as they come at us. Like, as, as I said, for example, let's say your car breaks down. I mean, a whole cascade of things happens instantly when your car breaks down. Where am I going to take it? What is wrong with it? How much is it going to cost? Where am I going to find the money to pay that? How am I going to get the stinking car to the person that I'm going to take it to? And then while it's there, what am I going to drive? You know, it's all, it's just this cascade of all these things. And you have to dress these and you have to face these. And these happen in our lives. And when I say they're low-level processing, I don't mean that they're not important. They're, they're everyday life. They're, they're critically important. But when they are the only kind of processing you do, Something happens that's not healthy for us. It's like we get caught into living what I would describe as primarily a reactive life. We're a little bit like a pinball in a pinball machine. And we hit this and we bounce off that. I've got to figure out what to do next. I've got to take care of this. I've got to do this. And it's like our life gets consumed by low-level processing. We're, we're figuring out the things that are happening in our lives. And then what happens is you have enough pressure and it builds up in you, and you're like, you get exhausted by it. It's like, I'm trying to fix this. I'm trying to take care of that. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And ah, I just can only take so much. And then what do we look for? When you're tired, 
and you feel pressed, what do you look for? You look for relief from the pressure. Come on, is that true? You look for a way out of it. And so we look for pleasure. Because that gives us a a moment of kind of escape from the pressure of life. And so what happens is, is it moves almost in without intervention, without us stopping to do some high-level processing. What, what happens is we begin to almost look sort of like a hamster on a wheel. We're just running and running and running and running. And some of you feel like this is your life these days. You're running all the time, nonstop. And yet, if you're honest, you're not really getting anywhere. It's just the same thing. It's just this cycle repeated over and over and over again. And it feels like there's never time really for what I would describe as high-level processing. And that's, that's what I'm talking about here. What I mean by high-level processing is where you step out of the hamster wheel and you stop and say, now what is my life supposed to be accomplishing? What is it I'm called to? What, is it I, what kind of difference should my life be making in this world? And then the next question you ask is, and where am I at now? If that's who I'm supposed to be, what is it I am now? And then you process it by saying, okay, what, how do I get from here? To, how do I get closer to what I'm supposed to be? It's where you're actually thinking about your life on a higher level. And here's my contention, is that too often we kind of get caught in this, 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 this crazy busy life where we're just doing all this And we're like a hamster in a wheel, and we're not living with an awareness of who we're called to really be. The difference that we can really make. And you got to understand that high-level processing is not something you're going to fit into your hamster wheel schedule that's so crazy busy. You actually have to step out. You have to actually step back to process it, and you have to do it on a regular basis. And if you don't commit to that, what happens is it's just... It's just almost always the same. We're just, you know, I, I describe it as like life in the loop. For some of us, this is how we live our lives. We look like the hamster, but the life in that loop, that wheel is just busy and escape, busy and escape, busy and escape. So you're busy. I go to work. I do, blah, 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 blah. I do all this stuff. And then ah, I've had enough. And we look for the next vacation or thank God it's Friday or whatever it is. And we live in this loop. And I think sometimes we don't even realize it. it's almost like we're, we're hypnotized into not looking, like, who is it I'm really supposed to be? How is it I'm really supposed to live my life? And you don't get to be who you're called to be and how you're called by God and gifted by God to make a difference in the world. I actually think this is why God instituted the idea of Sabbath. Now, for some, you know, maybe you you say, I don't have much religious background. I've heard of that. I don't know what it means. It just literally means you take one day out of a seven-day week And you step out of the wheel and you step back. Now, I want to differentiate on Sabbath between a day off and a Sabbath. A day off is when you take all the things you couldn't get done on all the other days and you do it on that day. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? But a Sabbath is where you step out of the wheel and you step back from it and you just rest and you delight in life. And it's in that place where there's some margin that you can actually start to ask those questions like, how am I really living? I mean, if my higher calling is not just to have this stupid job and make some money so I can do this and, and try to find the next cool food that I'm going to eat or whatever it is or do gaming all day, whatever, what is it I'm really supposed to do and, and am I doing that? 
Folks, I think we need that in our lives. It's why the Bible has verses like this. I've quoted this many times in our church, but Psalm 4, 4 says, when you're on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. So this is not in that, you know, it doesn't mean when you fall asleep, search your heart. It doesn't work that way, all right? When I fall asleep, I don't know what happens, but I'm not searching my heart. I'm snoring and keeping Anne awake or something, but I'm not searching my heart. This is when you're on your bed, so you're not sleeping. You're on your bed, you're not sleeping. And if you're going to search your heart, it can't be like you're scrolling through social media or playing a video game or reading a book. When you're on your bed, you search your heart. Am I living the life that I'm called to live? Or am I living in a loop of just endless sort of almost ad nauseum over and over just doing the same thing? Busy, busy escape. Busy, busy escape. Busy, busy escape. Now I understand some of you are working hard and actually things are going really well for you. I mean like you are doing well. You're watching online, you say, if you knew me, Jeff, you know, I, I'm making money and I'm accomplishing stuff and people admire me. And I get that. Some of you are doing great. But I think if you're gut level honest, when you look in the mirror and you look deeper than just at your face or your appearance and you look into your soul, you find that actually maybe you're a bit more shallow than you think. That you're sort of living on the surface. You're busy, you got good things going on, but it's just stuff on the surface. And you're doing the right stuff. You're actually doing right, but is it what God's called you to? And does it make a difference in your world? Is it really your higher calling? And I think a lot of people, they get like so good at doing stuff and everybody thinks they're really good, but they're missing what matters. You can even be religious and have this happen to you. I mean, you can be doing all good religious things and be missing your higher calling. Jesus actually had to deal with people that were just like that. And in Matthew chapter 23, he speaks to some some very religious people, he says, and he calls them out. He says, what do you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites? You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. Now let me just stop parenthetically and speak here a minute. Tithing is what Jesus is talking about. And that's a call to all followers of God. We give 10% of what he's, the 100% he's given us, we give 10% back. That's right. But what they had done is they had taken it down to the nth degree. And so somebody gives them a, you know, a little jar of cumin or, or dill seed or however dill comes, I don't know what it looks like, but they, they give them that and they just put it in 10 little piles and then they take one ten pile, tenth of a pile and, and they go, okay, here, God, this is yours and they give it to God. But notice what he says here. Let's take a look at this now. He says, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. Can we put it back up on the big screen too? Thanks. He says, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. Same with me. Justice. What? Mercy and faithfulness. You missed it, he says. You should have practiced the latter, those things, without neglecting the former. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, yeah, you should be tithing. You should be doing the right stuff. But don't miss the stuff that really matters in your life. Justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Don't miss those things because those are the things that count. And this is my contention that that if you're going to do that, Jesus says you should do both of them. It's going to take thoughtfulness. You're going to have to do some high-level processing. So there's the question. And I'd like you to just think about it for a second. How much energy do you give to high-level processing? How often do you stop, step out of the wheel and ask the kind of questions that 
that really focus on how am I to live my life and where is my life today and how can I move it closer to where I'm supposed to be? I think if you can answer that question, it probably gives you a better idea of whether or not you're trading significance for pleasure. Because frankly, it's easier to live in the hamster wheel. I don't have to bend my brain and think about what am I called to and how am I doing. I just respond to what's ever happening. I just keep responding, keep responding. And this is how so often we live our lives. So last week, our Middleville campus pastor Lonnie talked about the fact that we all have higher callings, but some of them are native to all of us. In other words, you may be called to some things different than I am, almost certainly. But some of them are universal. They're for everybody. And he talked about really what I would call the number one thing last week, and that is, is that you love God. This is, this is how Jesus talked about it. An expert in the law had come and tested him with this question. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus responds and says, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and, what's the next word? Greatest commandment. So he said, this is your highest calling. And then he says, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets, he says, hang on these two commandments. I don't think you, this is me, but I don't think you can read the scripture and not hear Jesus saying, You can be an incredible success in everyone's eyes in the world, but if you don't put God first and love him deeply, you fail. Your life is not a success. Now, I do want you to notice how he said it, though, because then he said, and the second, he talked about that second command, he said is like it. In other words, I think Jesus actually elevated the second command up to equal with the first command, you love God. And then the second one was, you love your, can anybody tell me? You love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, you love people. Now, this is just my opinion, and, and uh, I may be pushing it a little bit, and some may not see it, but I actually think what Jesus was communicating here is, is the most important thing you will do. Your highest calling is that you will love God, and here's how you will do it best. You will do it by loving people. I actually think that that is the single greatest way that you love God is you love the people that he created, that he gave himself for, that he loves deeply and considers his own children. And I think it's pretty clear that if you don't do that, it's like, it's a fail. I think God's saying, if you want to tell me you love me, if you really love me, then you're going to love my, the people I created. You're going to love them. And I think all of us should understand why he feels this way. All of us should, because we're made in his image, and we feel that way about our family. Come on. Some of you, you, you know what I'm talking about here. You, you give me garbage. You, know, you, you, you come at me. You hurt me. You wound me in some way, and I'm like, I don't like it, and, and you'll make me mad and all that, but I'll get over it and work through it. But you mess with somebody in my family. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I want to hunt you down and hurt you. I remember, this is many years ago now, one of our sons, when he was pretty young, just in elementary school, came home, uh, he rode the bus, and you know, of course, the bus is where the devil lives, and it's a hard place, and, and he came in one time, and he was not a crier, and he was just broken, he was just sobbing from it. And uh, as the story came out, as we got the story from him, he'd been bullied by a kid, I can't remember every detail, I think the kid was older than him, but he'd been bullied, and it had been happening. Now, I was a grown man and a pastor of a church. 
But when I watch my kid crying in front of me, talking about how this kid had treated him, I wanted to find that kid and beat him senseless. And I know some of you are going, that doesn't sound like a very Christian thing to do. That was my family. And I'm not saying it was right to feel that way, but that's how I felt because when you hurt my family, you hurt me. And when you love my family, you love me. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? And I think this is exactly the way it works with God. I think he's saying to us, when you hurt my my children, you hurt me. And when you love them, you love me. And that's how I know you love me. So see, not only is your higher calling doesn't matter what you're called to do in other areas, but your higher calling is that you love God. But equal with that is that you love people because I think the way you love God primarily, you also tell him you love him. We, we worship him. We do all kinds of other things. But I think the primary way is when you love what he deeply loves and gave his life up for. And this is such a huge thing. So, so loving people is central to your high calling. Some people say, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. Well, I can tell you. Love God and love, can anybody tell me? People. Love God and love people. I, I, I mean, I know that sounds simplistic, but those, it doesn't matter what else you do. Let's say, for example, you have a calling to be a builder. And I think God actually calls men and women to do particular vocations. So you're good with your hands and you can think logically, like you can put a place together. You can think in a way, I can build houses or I can build, you know, commercial buildings or whatever. And you should do it. And you should do it well. You should excel at it. But while you're doing it, You should be loving the people that you're in contact with all around. And you say, okay, well, can you tell me what people exactly? Now, that's an interesting question because Jesus was asked that question too, and he gave a great answer. And I'll give you the synopsis of his answer. All people. Everybody. So that means when you're a builder and you're working with people, you're going to work with some nice people that you love working with. They pay their bills on time and they're good people and they never give you any crap. You're going to work with some people that are just okay. You're going to work with some people that are a little grumpy and you're going to work with some crooks. And Jesus tells us that we're supposed to love which one of those people? All of them. All people. I mean, we don't want to hear it. We don't like to hear it, but it's all people. That is your high calling. I mean, you, you can excel in all kinds of things, but if you don't love God and do it through loving people, it, it, it doesn't work. And you're going to need some regular high-level processing time for that because I don't know about you, I preach this stuff. I was actually reviewing this stuff as I was thinking about this talk and I was reading particular scripture, which we'll see in just a moment, and I was like, oh, crap. (laughs) I'm not doing very well in this. Does anybody ever feel that way? Come on. Middleville, Dalton, you ever feel that way? Yes, you do. Of course you do because this doesn't come easy. This is not default mode for any human being to love all people. But when I say all people, I'm not talking about just all nice people. I'm talking about all people And that is God's call in our life. And I think if you could hear him, you would be saying to him, you love my people, you're loving me. You hurt my people, you're hurting me. 
This is your high calling in life. Whatever you do vocationally, whatever you do, anything you do, it doesn't matter. And, you know, Paul, who wrote 1 Corinthians 13, many of you have heard of it. If you haven't heard of it, you probably heard it quoted at a wedding or something because there's a portion of Scripture in there where it describes love that's so beautiful. But a lot of people pass over the first part because the first three verses, he talks about the priority of love, why it's so important. Let's look at this. 1 Corinthians 13, beginning in verse 1, he's, and I'm reading this from the message paraphrase. He says, If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but I don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, reveal all his mysteries, make everything plain as day, if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, just read the next two words with me, I'm I'm nothing. Nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor, I give, even, even I go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. He says, so no matter what I say, what I believe, or what I do, I am bankrupt without love. I, I think we need a regular reminder, and that's what this is. We're in this series called Higher Callings where we're looking at what has God called you to? What is your higher callings? And you have multiple callings in your life. Sometimes they're for a season, sometimes for a day, some for a lifetime. But when we ask these questions, I think we have to start with the things that are preeminent for all of us. And it is love God. And then it is love people. And the way you love God is you love people. You want to tell God you love him. You love his people. Now, let's just take a look at the next few verses in 1 Corinthians 13. So he talks about, you, you don't do this, you're nothing. Let's, let's look at what he says you should be doing when you're doing this thing he talks about. This is verses 4 through 7. It says, love is patient. Actually, if you want to know the truth, that's the one that got me. <laughs> I was just like, because ah, I was thinking about a circumstance in my life where I'm not feeling, well, let's just go on. Love is patient and love is kind. Notice it doesn't have an asterisk by it that says, uh, with the people who deserve it. It just says love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not proud, it doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, and it, it keeps no record of wrongs. It says, love doesn't delight in evil, it rejoices with the truth. And this last part always gets me, it always protects and always trusts, and always hopes, and always what? It, it always perseveres. I'll tell you how you uh, will, I'll tell you a great way to high process this, high level process this, is just turn these into questions and put your name in here. So it'd be like, is Jeff patient? Is Jeff kind? And then you think about this. You think about the people you work with. Because this isn't just the nice people. This is the people that annoy you. And I know you all have people that annoy you. Some of you, the person who's annoying you right now is me. And I'm all right with that. You see, the thing that God wants to teach us about loving people is our high calling is that it is not based on whether or not they deserve it or worthy of it or how they've behaved. This is so often when you hear people get angry, when, 
when marriages erupt into pain, when, when relationships, when people struggle in these things, it's so often, if you would just, or if you would stop, see, we always have this. It's like we put our response onto them. It's like because they're bad. But what Scripture teaches is it's not about them. It's about me. It is about me. So my parents tick me off or my brothers ticks me off or my, you know, one of my kids or whoever it is, my boss. And they may be a total jerk and that may be absolutely true. But that doesn't change your high calling. And you may feel cranky and you may feel ornery, but that doesn't change your high calling. Your high calling is higher than how you're feeling in the moment. I'm not getting a lot of amens on this, but I think it's good anyhow. I think it's stuff we need to hear. I think it's stuff we need to apply in our lives. So the way I see it, and I want to just close by giving you a couple thoughts on these things, and you can just kind of process this. And it's going to sound a little weird, but hang with me, and it'll make sense. I think we love people in two different ways on on a larger scale. We love to people. In other words, we love them face-to-face or the people that are local to us. And then we love through people. We love them we love people vicariously, and I'll explain it. So let's look at the first one. We, we, we love two people. Now, this, basically what this means is it's just the people you're around, wherever you're at. The people you are called to love is the people that you are next to. It could be the wait staff in the restaurant you're at. It could be the person who's checking you out at the grocery store or the convenience store. It could be the cranky boss. It could be your, your ornery wife or your, your husband that's so rotten. It could be anybody. It doesn't matter. It's the people that you are around and you have some kind of contact with or connect. And your higher calling is to love those people. It is not because those people are well-behaved. It's not because those people deserve it. It is because that's what you are called to. Now, just to be clear, loving people does not mean that I make everyone happy. I've made people angry just giving this talk, all right? I know some of you are going, if you were married to what I'm married to, you wouldn't preach like your stupid stuff. I, 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 I made you mad. I get that. I can't make everybody happy. It's not my call to make them happy. It is my call to love and respect them with what I see in 1 Corinthians 13. Even if they're good, even if they're bad, it's not my call to fix them. And it doesn't mean that sometimes you don't set boundaries to protect your heart. You are to guard your heart. But nonetheless... Good, bad, or indifferent, you are to give love and respect to all people, not just the ones who deserve it. You can't make them happy always. You can't fix them. And sometimes you have to draw boundaries, but you are to treat them with respect and love. And I just want you to think about this. It's just a real simple thought, and then I, I want to go to this next point. But I, I just think sometimes we, th- we get confused about what l- loving people is. Loving people is not just being nice, Okay. I wrote it like this. Don't mistake manners for love. Look, I'm all for manners. I'm all for smiling and being friendly. I think we should be. I think that's important. But here's the difference between being nice and love. When I love someone, I actually see them. I see them. You have to understand how important this is. See, this is really not about just being polite. This is when you look at someone, 
You see them, you hear them, they are a person to you. They're not just an object to get out of your way to get on to the next thing. And I'm all for manners, and I I know we can't see every person all the time, but I would just challenge you, when you look at people in your family, in your workplace, do you see them? Do you know what people want more than anything? They want to be seen and heard. You have no idea how far that goes with everybody. Is if I just feel like you actually see me. You don't even have to agree with me, but do you see me as a human being? So you love two people by, by loving the people who are around you, local to you, people that you're face to face with. And then the second idea is that you love through people. Now, now what I mean by this is it's a vicarious kind of love. So human beings are these creatures that have this remarkable ability. We can actually love someone, and then the investment of love into them can go out to someone that we may never meet or know. I'll tell you a great example of this. We have tribes at our church. We have growth tribes, and we have connect tribes. We have support tribes, all kinds of tribes where people connect on a deeper level than just, hey, how you doing when they see each other at church, you know, on a weekend or, or wherever they're at in the community. They connect at a deeper level. And what happens? My, one of my tribes, one of the tribes that I'm in, uh, we just met this week group of guys, we were actually sitting around the fire and we were talking and there was encouragement and there was support and there were words being said back and forth. Now this is what's crazy about this, is then we all went out to our prospective vocations and different jobs and, and things that we do and the investment that I made in those guys around the fire is touching people that I don't even know. That is a profound thing. Do you, do you understand that you're, you cannot underestimate the power of your ability to love beyond just the people? Because when you love this person, you're loving somebody that they will love. And that is a profound thing. And this is why, and some of you will get nervous when I say this, but this is why I think financial giving is such an important thing because it is an act of love. It's why Jesus talked about it so much because so often when I give something, it moves on from there to touch someone else. Let me give you an example of this. So many of you are regular givers to TVC. Thank you. But what you need to know is, is that your giving enables there to be facilities and a staff that works with volunteers, and then someone gets connected to the church in some way, and they have an encounter with God, and then they make a connection with God. By the way, that's our mission, connecting people with God. And then they give their life to Christ, and they are changed for eternity. And you are part of that transaction. Is that cool or what? That is loving through people. You don't just love two people, you love through people. And this is why I love Compassion International. Let, let, let me just say this. I, I've already said it, but I'm going to repeat it. I think it's one of the best organizations I've ever worked with. I've done mission trips with them. I, I, what I love is that when I give to them, that goes to serve people who are in a local church who then serve people that I will never possibly meet. I love not just to, but I love through. And that's why I say without shame, I, I know some of you are saying, you know, sh- shouldn't you just be talking about giving to the church and not anything else because uh, probably the offerings are down? Yeah, they are. <laughs> they are. But I say this unashamedly, it is my prayer that every person in our church will engage in some way with Compassion International, that you will sponsor a child, that if you feel like you can't, join with a tribe of people and do it together. If you feel like you can't do that, just give something to their crisis fund. Just do something. And if we all do something, think about the impact we can have in people that we might never really get to know all that well. But 
you have a higher calling than just watching the next Netflix series that comes out you like. May we, may we, and at each of our campuses, go out to the lobby, look at the packages, or text, as you see, TVC on the screen. If you're watching online, just text to that number, uh, TVC, and they'll get back with you. And, and may we be people that do more than just talk about this stuff. May we be doers of it. And may God sense us saying to him, I love you. That's how we love God. Let's pray together. So, Holy Spirit, now, open our hearts and our minds to these truths. Help us to love you and to love the people you love. And we trust you to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tvcweb.com.